George Magnus, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today, the CBAM Global Business Symposium, the world order after the crisis. You're talking about the financial crisis and unresolved global imbalances. What do you mean by that, unresolved global imbalances? Uh, This is really about the structure of trading relationships between all of the various different parts of the world, those countries that run big surpluses and those countries that run big deficits, and the changes in economic behaviour which they are taking and which may serve to exacerbate those imbalances. The problem with imbalances is that they can give rise to great periods of financial stress and turbulence, such as the crisis that erupted in 2008. And do you think we should have seen that crisis? Indeed, CBAM says that it did see that crisis. Yeah, I think it was well spoken about, shall I say. I mean, the, the Bank of International Settlements, the International Monetary Fund, um, I'm sure a lot of you know professors and independent economists, actually even economists like myself working in investment banks, actually saw subprime housing as something more than just an esoteric problem. It was a, um, <clears throat> just a part of a huge problem of what later became known as structured credit in the banking system. So I I think it was seen, um, it was anticipated, there were a few economists and a few institutions that actually got their timing right too, but the trouble is that nobody was very interested because it would have taken a huge mindset change uh, for politicians and for bankers and for people in authority to basically uh, you know, blow the whistle on the party, so to speak. So uh, that was in, against human nature to do that. So as Chuck Prince, you know, who was the uh, former head of Citibank, once said um, that uh, a lot of people saw the issues, but uh, you know, nobody wanted to be the first to leave the dance floor. And as a senior economic advisor to the UBS Investment Bank, people are talking about Greece and the Eurozone as well. I mean, in retrospect, perhaps we should have seen that the Eurozone was going to be prone to these problems. But isn't the really remarkable thing that no one did? Yes. uh, The the problem with the viability of the Eurozone, namely that you might not be able to achieve a viable monetary union unless you have full fiscal or political union. I mean, this was spoken about 25 years ago. Um, and a lot of sceptics you know, have continuously said this will never work because you don't have the other side of the, the political or fiscal integration. Um, but, of course, uh, the problem is that it's always one of timing. So we've had been through a period of 25 years, or well, the Eurozone has actually been only alive for 10 years. During Most of that time was a boom, um, which masked the structural problems. And uh, again, you know, similar to the banking crisis, I think nobody really wanted to even, certainly not in authority, wanted to think about even the prospect that there could be a, uh, a crisis that would lead to uh, a threat, an existential threat to, to the euro. But now we have that because it's been unleashed by a succession of events that started with the financial crisis and it's still going on. And and very much at this Global Business Symposium, talking about the new world order, people are talking about risk and corporate governance. Do you see corporate governance really playing a parallel role to nation-states in correcting these imbalances in getting business back on track? Uh, To be honest with you, I'm not an expert on corporate governance. I mean, I, I focus much more on kind of financial and economic governance at a global level. So I'm more interested in actually how countries interact with each other and whether we have sufficiently strong and robust institutions domestically and 
internationally to be able to uh, evoke some sort of leadership and unanimity of purpose that will solve problems. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we have that at the moment. I think there are only two countries that can do that, which is the United States and China. And for different reasons, they either don't want to or aren't prepared to uh, or aren't willing to, uh, to take those leadership roles, which I think is, um, is a shame and badly necessary. And, and very necessary because not only they talked about uh, corporate governance, they've talked about sustainability as well. So if you've got two big players like America and China... Thought leadership is needed, surely, rather than competing, there being one world, one purpose globally. Very much so. I, I think, um, I mean, it, it's, I suppose, historically, it is natural uh, when things go bad and times become hard. Uh, there's a tendency to kind of to withdraw, to think a little bit more in a sort of an autarkic sense about what's going on in a nationalistic sense, when actually what you want is, to, to use the cliche, you want people to think outside the box and say, we need to rethink the way that we approach these problems. Um, and um, uh, we're speaking now uh, a couple of days ahead of a G20 meeting where the, the build-up actually has not been particularly auspicious. You know, everybody for himself or herself... And, um, and no real, uh, as you say, thought leadership about, you know, how can we basically reboot, you know, the world economy and the way it's governed. And I think that's, um, that's obviously regrettable. Hopefully we'll learn from these mistakes. And people do talk finally about the fact C Copenhagen didn't do that either, yeah. that some people think it achieved more than the media and people are giving it credit for, others less. But, but, but actually there is no magic bullet solution, is there? That there may be a long road to just incremental change and shared goals? Possibly. I think the, the, the benign outlook would be that actually there is sufficiently high level of interdependence between nation-states that, that this kind of incremental and muddling through will we'll get there in the end. I wonder whether, and I know this is slightly controversial, but I wonder whether actually you can't really build a new uh, world order, which has been the subject of this symposium, whether you can't actually build a new world order without having a benign global hegemon. Um, so, you know, we had uh, Bretton Woods worked because we had American and British leadership. Uh, the World Trade Organization and its predecessor, the GATT, worked because we had leadership from the United States and Western Europe. Uh, the banking crisis solutions actually worked in the end because Gordon Brown, um, bless his cotton socks, uh, actually decided to basically go out on a limb and say, we've got to do something incredibly radical here, which everybody followed. So I think that th this kind of muddling through is the best we can hope for, but I still think it requires strong leadership from somebody or from a country, and I think the United States is the obvious uh, country, if it wants to engage, um, which I think uh, can put this together, but I, I wouldn't say this is around the corner. And just finally, that's the United States and China. I should say the United States and China. <laughs> that's true. Okay, George Magnus, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School Global Business Symposium, The World Order, after the crisis. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you.